This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We start a new series this morning. I'm calling it the message of Christmas. And we're going to look at some different things, some traditions, and just really unpack uh, the Christmas story. There's a lot we can learn from the Christmas story that I think you'll really enjoy. How many, how many would say Christmas is their favorite holiday? Let's lift your hand if that's you. How many would say it's not my favorite holiday? What's your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Turkeys. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always loved Christmas, and I knew the story about Jesus coming and being born in the manger and knew about the cross, but I really never valued Christmas or understood it the way that I'm going to explain it to you today or understood what took place. And I think that's typical for kids. You know, we're thinking about the, the gifts and and it is a, it's a fun time, but we need to make sure, and parents, you need to make sure that your kids have the focus on or know who the real reason or the meaning of Christmas is. And of course, that's the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But we got all kinds of distractions and things. That guy, that big guy running around called St. Nick, which we'll talk about in our our last one in this series, you know, he's, he's quite a guy. He's a real guy. Um, how many enjoy the holiday music? All the, the songs, the carols, and they're full of scriptures. They're powerful, powerful songs. Really enjoy those. How about the food? Some of you are still full. I don't want to think about food. You will hear in just a little bit. You'll come back. <laughs> so the real meaning of Christmas let me read to you just the words of Silent Night it says Silent Night, Holy Night Son of God loves pure light radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace Jesus Lord at thy birth Jesus Lord at thy birth and that's what we're going to look at we're going to look at really one scripture about the announcement of Christ being born in the earth and, and what that means to us today. So this, this is in your notes, Luke chapter 10, uh, 2, verse 10. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I'm so glad that God always, you always hear him say, don't be afraid, fear not. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So I want to focus in on what this angel said to the shepherds, this, this announcement, because this announcement tells us a lot. 
this announcement is the most uh, awesome thing that's been said to mankind since really the fall of Adam. This is uh, an announcement that changes everything in the relationship that man has with God. And that's what this angel is proclaiming. And it's like heaven couldn't contain the joy of these angels. They just had to say it. They had to get it out and proclaim this great news, this good news. But the thing is, growing up, I would see Christian banners. I would say, uh, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And it would be in this concept or in this sense. The sense would be goodwill that men have towards other men. Have have you thought of it that way? Or that's what you hear, uh, really your holiday movies and stuff. It's a time of goodwill towards your your fellow man. But that's really not what this verse is saying. It's not saying, and that's a noble cause. That's a good cause that we have goodwill and peace with our fellow man. Everybody agree that's a noble cause. That's a good thing. But that's not what God is talking about here. That's not what the announcement was about. That there would be peace on this earth. Let's think about it for a second. If that was the announcement that Jesus was coming, being born in the earth, and there would be peace on earth, did Jesus fulfill his mission? Is there peace on earth? You got to think about it. Is there peace on earth? No. Quite the opposite. There there is no peace on earth. There's chaos. So did Jesus fulfill or was he talking about something else? Let me read to you Matthew 10. That's also in your notes. Verse 34. Do not think that I have came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Jesus is saying he actually came to do the opposite. When your household is not of faith and you are, there is division, there's friction in there. And he's saying that he brought, he didn't bring peace, he brought division. So what is this talking about? What's this announcement? What is the angel saying? The angel is saying, peace on earth, goodwill toward men from God. From him. Look at it again. Let me read it to you. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. From where? From heaven. From God. God is saying, there is peace There's a day coming because of this birth that there will be peace between me and mankind. What an awesome announcement. What incredibly great news. Good tidings. Great joy. The gospel is called good news. How many have ever heard the gospel with bad news? In a bad sense. You know, you go to church and you go, I wish I hadn't gone. I felt better before I went. It's supposed to be good news. It's still good news. There was no revision. There was no change. And say, oh, hold back. Uh, No, there is no goodwill towards men on earth. We changed our mind. 
No. Jesus came to bring peace between God and us. So, the message of Christmas was the message of peace from God to man. That's in your notes. The true meaning or the, the value of this announcement of Jesus coming to earth, there would be peace between God and man. This had not happened before since Adam. It was always God's plan to have a relationship with man. But because of Adam's sin and disobedience, you remember he died on the inside. He was spiritually dead. He was afraid of God. You remember when God came into the garden, what did he do? He tried to hide from God. How many know you can't hide from God? But he tried to hide from God. Why? He was afraid. Because things had changed. He had enjoyed a, a harmonious relationship with God, a good relationship, but now it was broken because of sin. And God had to judge sin being the righteous judge. And that's the reason in the Old Testament you see some things that are wrath and, and judgment because God had to judge sin. But he came out with the law. Why did he come out with the law? We know it was to show our need for a Savior because we couldn't fulfill the law. But I believe it's even more than that. I believe a loving father brought the law to give man, even in his sinful state, an opportunity or a way to receive the blessing of God. He found a way around the curse and said, look, here's the law. And by the way, you can't fulfill this law, but if you'll take your lamb over here and slay it, I'll receive that blood temporarily to cover and take care of your sin. That's what a loving God did. Even when we were enemies against him. The Bible says we were enemies against God. But God loved us even then. And he brought blessing to us by letting those, that blood of animals suffice until the real thing could come. Until Jesus could come and bring that full deliverance to us. There was never peace under the law. There was always fear of judgment. There was always fear I didn't do enough or I didn't fulfill the sacrifices. There was always fear. There was never that place of peace. But see, things were about to change because of Christmas. Because God was going to send a son and there would once again be peace. God was going to restore man back. And there would be peace. There, there could be a, a relationship with God Almighty available to, to those that would believe. Once you know, God did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's an unchanging God. He didn't change. He's always had to deal with sin as a righteous judge. Billy Graham years ago was in North Carolina in the mountains speeding. Oh, Billy Graham. Yes, he's a man. He wasn't far. Speeding. Get stopped. It was a, a small town, you know, and the, the guy uh, says, I got to bring you in. 
And by the way, aren't you Billy Graham? Yeah. Brings him in. And he goes to the courthouse, a little office there, and he stands there, and Billy Graham goes, are you waiting on the judge? He goes, no, just a second. He goes and changes hats, goes around, <laughs> I'm the judge. And he goes, you're guilty. And he said, I can't let you go, even though I, I, I really respect you and, and love the work that you're doing for God. But allow me to do this. And then he stepped away from his bench, walked down, came around, took the fine, took the ticket, took the fine, and paid it out of his own pocket. Then went back up, sat down, and received the fine paid. His name was Barney Fife. No. <laughs> received the fine paid and said, there is no judgment, you're dismissed. You're free. That's what God had to do for us. He sent Jesus to pay our bill, to pay our fine. Else we could never pay it. We couldn't handle it. Because the sin debt was something only God could pay. Only he could take care of. God worked for 4,000 years to bring man back to a place where he could experience his love and there could be that relationship, that intimacy with God, talking with God, having that time with him. Because of Jesus, we have something no other generation, no other generation before the cross had, and that's peace with God. Because of Christmas, because of Jesus. Because he made us righteous, it says when we accept his lordship, we're a new creation. He makes us righteous, and therefore he finds no fault in us. Now we find fault in ourselves, but we need to believe him when he says there is no fault. He can find none, because when he looks, he sees Christ. He sees him. So we can have peace and not be afraid of God. That God's going to hurt us. You know it's hard to go to someone if you think they're judging you. You know it's hard to open up with someone if you know they're going to judge you and hurt you. If they're out to get you. And how many times have we heard God's out to judge you, to get you, he's after you. Don't you want him? No, I've got enough problems, brother. Who needs more? See, it's in a place knowing that my debt's paid that I can go before a holy God. That God, I got this issue, help me. And he'll help me. I can go because I know my slate's clean because of the blood of Jesus. He's paid the price. Now, Pastor, that, that means I can go off and sin and do anything I want. My slate's clean. Now, you need to get saved. As the Bible says, the grace of God will teach you to live holy. Your motivation should be because of his great love and the price that he paid for you that you want to serve him. You don't want to hurt him or grieve him. Doesn't mean that you don't ever sin. None of us are perfect. But there should be a motivation in our heart, a desire to please him. 
But I think about many are declaring bad news today. God's mad and he's pouring out his judgment. The reason that hurricane hit you, that tornado hit you, the tsunami hit you, terrorists came. The reason for global warming is because God's judging us. I just heard in 20 years we're going to have global cooling. Serious. But see, the Bible says they, they weren't announcing bad news. That God is mad now to get you. They were announcing good news. There's peace with God. The price has been paid. You can come to God. Used to be you couldn't come in your sin. You better be covered in, in blood. You better have everything done right before you could come. Now, because peace has been made with God, it says that you can come boldly to the throne room of grace. Notice it's not judgment. The throne room of grace and receive what? Help. Grace. Mercy in time of need. Now let me help you. Mercy is when you messed up. I can come boldly in when I've messed up. That's pretty powerful. That's how powerful that blood, this, this Christmas story is about. This announcement changes everything. And now I can go to God, even in my mess, and get help and get his grace and get his strength. Make sure my picture still straight on his refrigerator. Yours is there too. Let me help you. God's not even mad at unbelievers in the earth. Oh, Pastor, you're going too far now. He's not mad at unbelievers because the price was paid for the entire world. Okay, let me show you. Let me say this. So what do we need to be proclaiming? Peace to people that there's peace with God. God has made peace with mankind. God loves you. He's for you. He wants the best for you. He wants blessings for you. Jesus died and was sacrificed for you. That's the message, and that's good news. 2 Corinthians 5.19, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What's the message of reconciliation? Reconciliation. God's keeping the count of all your sins. There's a list, and the list's gotten too big. You better look out. No, the message of reconciliation. God is no longer accounting or recording your list of sins. That's something to get excited about. When you look at it in the original, it's the word impute, and it's an accounting term, and it talks about holding to account, recording. God is no longer holding your wrongs against you. Why? Because the blood has paid the price for your past, present, and future sins. Well, I don't know about that future sins, Pastor. 
Well, it's been 2,000 years since the, since the cross. It's all future for you, by the way. So what's the issue then? If sin's not the issue, God dealt with that. Why do people go to hell? They don't go to hell because of sins. They go to hell because they reject the payment for their sins. They reject the Savior. They reject their salvation. God has done everything to put salvation before us. And you have to reject it to go to hell. The truth is, everyone in hell had their sins paid in full by the blood of Jesus. But they rejected their salvation and went their own way, and now they're bound for eternity. God took care of the sin issue. Now it's up to, to us to respond to what he's done. Grace is God reaching down to us. Faith is us reaching up to God. But God reached down first. He first loved us, so we love him. He reached down first, and then faith responds to his grace. My faith didn't move God. God has already moved by grace before I was. I'm just responding and acting and moving according to his grace. A person doesn't get saved because they just hollered out to God, save me, save me, save me. And, they, and, they were, and God responded to that with salvation. No, God's already provided grace. He's already provided salvation. It's my response back is believing him. It's called faith. That's the reason it's not a works. Or we could boast. But there's no boasting in God. When you look at what he did, there's no boasting. He did it all for us. The reason you'll get rewards in heaven is because you do works on this earth, but those, those works are not to get your salvation. Those works are to honor the one who saved you. And because your slate's clean, you start building up and says you're rewarded on what you do for him. What you didn't do for him or you messed up is burned up. I don't want to have a barn fire in heaven. <laughs> First John 2.2 2, And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but also the whole world. Say the whole world. That includes those unbelievers. Includes that person at work that frustrates you. That God's put you there to, to minister to them. That neighbor that keeps destroying your plants. Propitiation means the satisfying of wrath. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. What you see in the Old Testament, there was wrath, there was judgment. But Jesus satisfied that judgment and that wrath. Because he became sin with our sin. And he was punished and became the curse and paid the price for each of us. The wrath of God satisfied. So when you have someone say, well, God's wrath is being poured out on America, it's not scripture. Do you reap what you sow? Absolutely. It's a law on the earth. 
And there is an enemy, but don't say that God's doing it, because he's not. God is there at the, where the tornado hit, working through all the people, bringing supplies and love and ministering. That's God working in it. God gets blamed for a lot of stuff he didn't do. Isaiah 54, verse 7. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with, with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. We find here in Isaiah 54, he starts to explain the new covenant that's coming. He's starting to uh, bring some understanding about this new covenant that would be brought to the earth. And he said, I hid my face for temporarily, just for a moment, from, because of the wrath. There was wrath and judgment. But that was passing. A new covenant was coming. And that, that's what he's talking about here. God had to settle the sin problems. Sin had to be judged. You know, fear of punishment may change one's actions, but it'll never change the heart. You know what changes the heart? Love. Love will change the heart. It says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. It's his goodness. It's his love that changes our hearts for him. If, you, if it's just judgment, a person will do it, but they can be... It's like kids, you know, they might be doing it, but on the inside, they're standing up, man. They're <laughs> so, okay, next verse. Let, let me read this one more time. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, say everlasting, I will have mercy on you. Isaiah 54, let's go uh, to verse 9, just the next verse down. For this is like waters, the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Jesus swore, or God swore, he would never judge the earth again by water. Now we all know that. And what's the promise? He sealed it with a rainbow. So we know the promise that that will not happen God made, he swore, and when you look up uh, how he swore, you always swear on one who is greater with than you, but there's none he could find greater, so he swore to himself. That's what he did. He swore to himself he would not ever flood the earth again like he did uh, for Noah. So just as sure as this covenant is, he says, I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Just as he swore, I'll not flood the earth again, I swear I will not be angry with you or rebuke you. God's not angry with you. It's talking about the covenant of peace, the new covenant that we live in now. It's talking about after Christ came to earth. The peace. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men from God. So you see this in your notes. God swore he would never be angry with you or rebuke you. 
Verse 10, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of what? Peace. He's talking about a covenant of peace. They didn't have this in the Old Testament. Covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. He said, I'm not only not going to be angry with you or rebuke you, I'm going to show my kindness to you and be merciful to you and make a covenant of peace, give you peace. Wow. So he went beyond the anger. Now he's blessing us. I mean, know that Noah had nothing to do with that covenant that God would never flood the earth again. That was God. Same thing here. New covenant is God. God did it. We didn't. So you see your notes there. God swore his kindness and peace would be everlasting to you. Everlasting means forever. Forever means a long, long time. It's not going to stop. Peace towards you. God's not mad at you. He's not upset with you even when you blow it. He loves you. And if you have children, you know how that is. You love the, the, even when they're messing up, acting up, you still love them. And all the parents said, amen. So God's kindness, his peace and mercy will never stop flowing from God to you. God is always good to you. Always good to you. He always has our best interest. Even if it looks like it's not good, you can trust him and know it's good. The thing's going to work out for the good. And you trust him. You worship him and thank, give him thanksgiving even when it looks like everything's falling apart. Because he will turn it around and work for good. So if someone said God's going to flood the earth again, what would you say? No, I've seen the rainbow. We all know that. Well, what if someone said, well, God is angry. God is rebuking the earth, rebuking you. I said, no, there's a covenant, the covenant of peace. I'm in the covenant of peace. In fact, his loving kindness is everlasting upon my head. You start walking a little different. God's kind to me. He's good to me. God blesses me daily. The Bible says he loads me down with blessings. I'm loaded with blessings. That's what the Word says. You start thinking that way, and you start changing your day. You change your year. Change your life. The covenant with Noah was sealed with a rainbow. The covenant of peace is sealed by the blood of Jesus. For God to renounce his covenant, he has to renounce the blood of Jesus. He has to say that announcement that was made by those angels that the Savior was coming, revision. Not going to happen. Everlasting peace. Everlasting peace. Everlasting kindness. Everlasting mercy. 
So when you hear that little voice, I can't go to God. He's mad at me. He's upset with me. He's judging me. That's the wrong voice. It's not God's voice. There is one that brings condemnation. He's a discourager. But God's a encourager. Courage to face what you're facing because you don't face it alone. You face it with Him. And God is mighty within you. And He will cause you to walk in high places. He will cause you to have peace even in the midst of the storm. He will cause you to hear His still small voice and be led by His Spirit out of the, out of the attack of the enemy. He's a good God. There's nowhere in the Bible that says he's a bad God. He's good. He's always good. But here's the good thing. He's always good towards us. Last thing, quickly. I don't know if I had time for this, but uh, can you put up Luke 4, 18? I'll, I'll read it to you. 4, 18 through 19. So he gets it up. I'll show you something that speaks to this new covenant also, and maybe another way you're not familiar with. In Luke 4:18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, pray, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. What language are you in? Liberty, those who are oppressed. Preach liberty, those who are oppressed. I mean, though, this is Jesus. Jesus spoke this. It's really part of his uh, first sermon. And he, he's speaking about uh, really jubilee. And he's speaking the, about debt being paid and all this. But he's quoting Isaiah 61. But he left off something. From Isaiah 61. I'll just read it to you where he left off. It says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, how many think that Jesus just having an off day and he forgot to finish that verse? Oh, come on. It was just, it was a bad, McDonald's had some bad coffee that day. It was just a bad day. So he stopped short of finishing that scripture. Or could it be there was a covenant of peace and this was for another time? See, the vengeance, there is a judgment day coming, but right now we're in the day of grace, in the age of grace, the dispensation of grace. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But there is coming the day where the, that number is filled and there will be judgment for those that rejected Christ. And it's a day of vengeance. We're in a day of covenant of peace. And we have to use that opportunity to reach and share with others. Let's bow our heads. Father, we, we thank you so much for this peace. We thank you that you're at peace with us. Because of the blood, because of Jesus, there was a covenant made that you would show loving kindness to us. You would be at peace with us and you'd be merciful. You'd no longer be angry, 
We thank you that that sacrifice stopped the wrath of God. Stopped the judgment of God. Where God could have a family. And God could have a people to call his very own. If today you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity. What does that mean? Why would God let you into heaven? Maybe your thought is, well, I believe in God. But the truth is, the devil believes in God, but he's not going to heaven. Or maybe you say, I was raised in a Christian household. My parents said I'm a Christian. But there's nowhere in the Bible it says because you were raised in a Christian household or your parents called you a Christian that you're really a Christian. You see, Jesus made it very clear in John 3. He said, you must be born again. But what does that mean? It means that you surrender your heart and all your life to Christ, to Him. You trust Him for your salvation. You live for Him. You have a relationship with Him. And when you have that, heaven is your home. Eternity is yours. If that's you this morning, if no one looking around, we give you an opportunity to accept Christ. I'm not going to ask you to come down right now, but at the end of service, we'll have prayer partners down here that would love to pray with you. But if that's you, you want to get right with God. Maybe you prayed this before. You know you're not living for God. You just want to come back home and get right. You can get in on this prayer too. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand right where you're at. Lift your hand and say, that's me. I need to get in on this prayer. I need to get right with God. Thank you, Lord. It's Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for that sacrifice. Thank you for that blood. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my place. You died with my sins. You took the punishment for my sins. And I thank you. And I accept you as the Lord of my life. I trust you for my salvation. And I choose to live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live for you. And I give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give God thanks. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.